You could just have some some uh, dessert. We could go back. We could go and have dessert. We could all do it. We could all do this. Well, it's, it's just a commitment for the dessert, for the reset, for the refreshment. So, okay. Well, I am, which you know, you know, because as we talked about being grand animals, I'm classic traditional. I don't like things to change, and I like things to match. But um, I uh, really. Uh, I mean, I have a little outline that, you know, the Lord had given me when I did whatever section of Psalm 119 we're supposed to be on right now, 80-something, and, um, but I just, I mean, it just, I didn't feel like I was supposed to teach that today, and this week, um, I taught a lesson on dealing with difficult people, and um, so I'm teaching this because I think I'm supposed to hear it again, and so if it works for you, if anything sticks for you guys, you know, just receive it. (laughs) And um, and we'll go from there because that's really I mean dealing with difficult people is pro- I mean as Carol and I often say ministry is so easy if it wasn't for these people you know and it's both the people we work with it's both the people we minister to it is it's us you know I mean ministry it's the people if it wasn't for the people we wouldn't have problems nine but most of our problems are relational from one way or another and that gives us the most grief and the most pain and so um, so I have learned. Um, and continuing to learn about some things I can do to help myself deal with difficult people, and I still um, still have a short fuse sometimes on some of those. So that's what I want to talk about today. Um, the very, very first thing we have to do when dealing with difficult people, number one, is we have to extend grace when they extend grief. Extend grace when they extend grief. Of course, it's very rare for me to say think of grief without thinking about Charlie Brown and I mean talk about was Lucy a difficult person in his life or what you know but he continued to believe the best about her didn't he he continued to believe she would not pull the football out from underneath him and he continued to line up and continued to kick that ball and often as he fell on his hiney he would say good grief you know he extended it continued to extend um, grace to her Um, this isn't Charlie Brown's ideas or Charles Schultz's idea. This is God's idea. Philippians 2, 1 through 3. Let's look over there. I was in somebody else's Bible. I couldn't find Galatians yesterday. Mm-hmm. I kept on looking and looking, but I couldn't find it. So. But anyways, Philippians 2, 1 through 3. Um, uh, just before it, uh, uh, Paul talks to the Philippian church about uh, to live as Christ. Um, and then verse 1 in chapter 2 says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ. Has anybody received any encouragement in Christ? Amen. Any comfort from love. I mean, you know, when everybody else is rejecting us, but man, we're comforted from the love we get from God. Any participation in the Spirit. Anytime, that, I mean, you're in worship and you know the Spirit speaking to you. You've been in a special prayer time and man, the Spirit of God is there. And, and it just really overwhelms you to think that the Spirit would actually engage in me. Jehovah Jireh would be concerned about me. Any, af- any affection and sympathy, you know? Who's gotten sympathy from those that have been around us just to come and to sit with us and when we're hurting and we're in pain? Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. The, uh, the NIV, I think, says, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. You know, just extend grace to them even if they're not deserving of it. Because, you know, isn't that what grace is anyways? 
It's unmerited, undeserved favor. And maybe the attacks, the challenges, the difficulties they're giving towards you are totally un they're undeserving for you to receive it. So let's just give that give back and give them something undeserving as well. And that's grace. And give them grace in the midst of that. I've talked about this, I think, in submission before, but the word I like to, to, to picture, to imagine about extending grace is the word defer. Just defer. And I think about often when you walk into a, you know, a store and you, you, you're, walk, you're opening the door and you can kind of see in the reflection somebody behind you, you know. And we've all been there where we've like scurried ahead because we, you know, wanted to get the last buggy over there or whatever it was, you know. And we just, let's just open the door and step back and just defer and let them come through. And when people come at us and they're difficult and they're challenging people, just defer. Just defer to them. I mean, don't pick up this battle. I mean, there's some people we're going to battle with and some difficult people that come in our life. We are never, ever going to win. And you know what? Let them win. It's not worth it. It's not worth the personal agony. It's not worth the, the stress, the anxiety, the, the sin. As the Lord's calling us to love others and extend that grace, just defer to them. And it's unmerited. I mean, we definitely know that people totally do not deserve that. And what we need to understand is usually when we have difficult people into our, come into our life, challenging people that come in our life, number one, it's to test us. And until we start passing the test, when difficult people come into our lives, difficult people will continue to come into our lives. Because, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, it's really not love unless you're loving the unlovely. And it's really not extending patience to someone unless they're you know being unless they're worthy of not being patient with you know it's not really loyalty until someone's been disloyal to you and so if we want to know how we deal with difficult people in God the, the way God would desire in our lives he's going to continue to send difficult people in our lives until we start passing that test and start responding well and start responding in that past but also what we need to understand is hurt people hurt you know, usually difficult people come into our, difficult people are difficult people because they've got stuff going on in their lives. They've been hurt. They, all they know is difficult. All they know is to respond that way. All they know is to fight. And we see that, I mean, whether you're watching cops or whether you're watching Dog the Bounty Hunter or whether you're watching, you know, Intervention. You know, these people, they're just, it's, just, it's such a generational thing. That's all they know. That's all they know. I was having um, lunch this week with a friend, Lynn Lore, and we were talking about the cycle of poverty. And that um, we're so deep into this welfare system and this entitlement that this, you know, we're four, five, six, seven generations into this. That for many of them, they have no concept of a work ethic. You know, Elle and I were even talking some on Friday night about people that just don't work. And it's, it's just like, for us and our middle class mentality or upper middle class mentality or, you know, our farm raised, you know, whatever. I mean, we just, you work. I mean, just, I mean, how do you not work? I mean, I just, that's such a foreign concept to me. And um, whether you're getting paid or whether you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home wife, whatever the situation is, you, you work. And I mean, they're going to, you know, and so it, in, in some ways it's bad on my side because it's hard for me to have fun and relax and, you know, be okay to just not do anything for a season. But there's so often that we have no idea. And so I think sometimes those difficult people that come into our lives, all they know is how to fight. They're only know, they only know how to respond back and is to argue or to be grumpy or to overpower you or to, does that make sense? You know, and so that um, they haven't really learned to respond differently because probably it hasn't been modeled to them. So when we start responding differently to them, it, you know, it might diffuse it, it might not diffuse it, but it's sure going to give them an opportunity to think, you know, well, that's different. 
No, she didn't get mad at me about that, and somebody would have done that. And sometimes, I know for me, when I was a difficult person, and we're going to talk about that later, but, you know, I wanted the fight, because at least it was attention, you know? At least it was some engagement, some contact. And it comes down to, we've got to believe the best about others, and not really the true self. I mean, what, how they're acting is not really their true self. And, and the, the picture I think about this is that um, um, at Lifehouse when uh, a girl would be acting out. And we would call something called the five-second rule. The house parents would say five-second rule, and um, the, all the other girls in the house would need to leave the room, leave the area, not be present where she is. And we did that for several reasons. Number one, so that the other girls would not learn any tricks of the trade. But number two, because, you know, sweet Susie is not acting like sweet Susie, who we really know in Christ. That's who she really is. She's acting out of anger or pain or rejection or fear. or uh, She's acting out of all these attacks of the enemy and not really acting out of the spirit. And so we wanted to not let her, not, we didn't want the other girls in the house to see her acting not like her true self. And so when people act, and come to us in a difficult situation, we just, that is not how God created them to respond. That's not how God, and so let's believe the best for them. Let's extend the best for them. And this is what, I'm the worst about this, is that I automatically assume that it's something about me. You know, and I have this conversation, and they're talking bad about me, and they're coming to attack me. I mean, you know, I got lots of nods on that, lots of smiles. You know, you have this whole conversation that we work through, and this whole challenge that we come down to. And, um, and we need to realize it's not about us. It is not about us. Let's make it about them. You know, and that also helps us to just kind of transfer it back and say, you know, okay, Lord, good morning, Wendy. Um, transfer it back to them. Not that I really follow Buddha, but I thought this was really a great quote that Buddha said. Um, someone was attacking him, attacking him, attacking him, attacking him, and he just continued to respond with grace. And, um, and somebody was watching the interaction, and that person left, and then the person that was watching the interaction said, you know, what's... You know, how do you do that? And he said, well, if someone gives you a gift and you don't receive it, who, do, who owns the gift? Well, the person. So that person was trying to give them all this junk in his life, and, you know, Buddha didn't receive it. That's a good, I mean, that's good. I mean, I probably have to change it in the long run with somebody else. Now, I've said it, you can just say Becky said that, you know. But, I mean, that is, I mean, hello. Just don't receive it. Let them keep it, you know, and just defer, 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 defer. So, number one, extend grace when they extend grief. And, I'm, and also I'm saying, too, that this is, that it is, it is diff, they're doing it. I mean, I don't want you to just, like, you know, be a doormat and think, oh, they're really not hurting me. No, they are extending your grief. But I'm going to, and this is, what we'll, verse 3 we'll talk about, I mean, sec, uh, point 3 we'll talk about that. But number two, guard your mouth. When we extend grace, that's going to be a, uh, an inward experience. That's going to be a hard experience. That's going to be an emotional experience. But when we um, guard our mouth, it's going to be outward. Psalm 39.1 says, um, actually, let me turn it over in here. This is a verse I've had to memorize. I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin against you with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. We need to guard our mouth with a muzzle. Sometimes I have to guard my mouth about stuff going in and coming out. I mean, it's both ways for me. I have to guard my mouth about that. But guard our mouth. Put a muzzle over your mouth. And this is because if not, we're going to sin. In Proverbs it says, where there is an abundance of words, sin is unavoidable. 
If we keep talking, if we keep having this conversation, <coughs> sin is going to happen. So let's just put a muzzle over your mouth and stop it. Because um, what's going to happen is if we continue to engage with this difficult person, we're going to become that difficult person. We're just giving back what we're receiving. And people are going to have to do step one to us. You know, extend us grace. First Corinthians 15.33 says, you know, bad morals corrupts good character. Bad morals, and I, I think the King James says bad manners. You know? And we think, oh, you know, that's kind of like that missionary dating and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we, if we hang out with folks that have bad manners, ultimately it's going to corrupt our good character. And so we've got to be mindful of that. That doesn't mean we don't ever hang out with those that are lost. But um, it took them in short spurts. Exactly. Exactly. You can feel them dragging you down. You never pull them up. Yeah. Right. Until they change. Until they choose to change. Yeah. Until they choose to change. And that goes back to the change and the pain and all those kind of things in our lives that happen. And this is amazing. This was another one. A gentle answer. Proverbs 15 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer will turn away wrath. And so not only guard our mouth, watch what comes out of there, but let's come up with a gentle answer in response to him. And that gentle answer might just be, okay. You really blew it. You did it totally wrong. I can't believe you're such a loser. Okay. I mean, <laughs> and then they're just going to walk them in there. They just have to walk away. I mean, you're like, no, if we don't hit the tennis ball back. I mean, the game's ended, yeah. you know. And they can keep lobbing them over there, and we keep just, you know. And that we know who we are in Christ. That's the big thing. We know who we are in Christ. And we have to trust in that. And, and we're not losers. We might have totally done it, totally 100% wrong. It doesn't make us losers. It doesn't make us sorry or worthless and a waste of, you know, time, energy, and effort on us. Just give a general answer. Just agree. You know? Just agree. Um, a gentle answer turns away wrath and this is what's so key and this is number three release them to God so not only do we that gentle answer turns away wrath um, and then we speak that gentle answer you know what we're doing we might be saying inside of our heart he is a lying bag of bones right here I mean you might be saying that on the inside and it's okay and you might be saying Jesus I did it exactly how he told me to do it or exactly how she wanted me to do it. I did do do turning it on time. I mean, you're just busting to Jesus about this guy or this gal or whoever this difficult person is. And inside, you're outside, you're saying, well, okay. And inside, you're thinking, he is so wrong. Jesus, go get him. Release him to God. Tattle to Jesus about it. You know, turn to him and say, this is so totally wrong. Lord, this isn't right. You know, what's going on here? What's happening here? I did it, I did it like it was supposed to be, whatever the issue might be. You know, they were in the wrong. They were the one that was in the wrong. And, and this is, I, I love this phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Be mindful that what they're coming at you with, there might be some truth in that. And so it's, that's where you need the discernment, and that's where you need to say to the Lord, Lord, okay, you know, I'm just kind of sensing in my spirit that none of this is true. <laughs> but Lord, is there anything in here that's, that's right, that I need to pull up from. And, you know, well, you know, I didn't turn it in on time or I really didn't do it completely or, you know, whatever. I mean, whatever the issue might be. Or he might just say, Beck, you were dead on. You're fine. It was their issue. I wanted to test you and you passed it. Good job. High five. 
we're still secure in Christ. We still, you know, know who our source of strength and hope and security is. And that's where it's not from this person. That gets into people pleasing. And that's hard. We want, and there's certain people in our lives we want to please, and there's some people in our life we will never, 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 ever please. And we can do everything and jump through every hoop, and they just will not be pleased. And it's not only, you know, is a glass half empty, I mean, it's like, you know, and it's full of poison. I mean, I mean, there's just people like that, that are, that's just the way it is, and you're not going to please them. And um, there's one of, with the Barnabas group, a group that I work with pretty regularly, one of the guys, one of the members there, that's him. And after about, you know, Three different conversations, I just realized, you know, it's not going to win. And I'm just like, you know, well, Bob, that's great. That's great. I think a little different, but whatever. Okay. Anything else I can do for you? I mean, <laughs> you know, and you just move on. And, um, but if there's something in there that's a value, you need to do it. You know, Matthew 5.44 tells us that we need to pray for our enemies, those who persecute us. We've got to pray for them. So not only do we tattle to Jesus about, you know, in his ear about, vent to him about, you know, how awful and challenging and difficult this is, but we also need to pray. Pray for those folks, and we're gonna, that's going to be our aim at the end, and I'll get to that in a second. Number four, and this is hard, don't gossip. Don't gossip. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it again. Go to the throne before you go to the phone. You know, absolutely go to the throne and it's like for me it's funny and this is the truth it's like I, if I don't if I don't have if, if something happens like at three in the afternoon I can't do anything about it until the next morning when I have my quiet time I mean you know it's like like I could actually like you know stop and go to my quiet time place and journal it out at 3 30 I mean the Lord would still meet me there and it's like with our diet it, exactly <laughs> we start all over yeah exactly I know and so instead of just go ahead and deal with deal with it and, and um, but don't gossip to others and you know, really the bottom line is, this is a really good, well, how do we know it's, what's the balance between gossip and, and I, and what? Sharing. And sharing. <laughs> and prayer requests. You know, I, I think there's, there's the part that there, there are, there needs to be one person. Once you've gone to the throne and the Lord says, okay, Becky, you can talk, you can vent to a human person on this to get counsel and insight and all that stuff. <laughs> but it's just one person. <laughs> It's not everybody that you go and get their opinion on that. And so that might, there, there is that person that you're trusting with them. They can, I mean, I'm really blessed because I've got a great friend that lives up in Canada, and so she is, doesn't know nobody about nothing, and so I can vent to her, and I, she has no idea who it is and isn't going to encounter them. And, and part of it also comes down, if we hear a lot of, if it's somebody that's in a close circle with you, and you talk bad about your you know, cousin Sue, um, but then you and Cousin Sue reconcile. This person, though, doesn't know. I mean, you might have said, hey, we're okay, but they're still thinking this negative about Cousin Sue. Does that make sense? And if they really love you, they'll pick up a defense, you know, about toward Cousin Sue. And I've, um, I mean, I've had friends that have gone through difficult marriages and the, I mean, difficult divorces and, and even marriages, and, and they're just like, Meh! and so you're just like, the next time you see them, you're just like, you know, sorry, no good, no, you know, and it's like, Maybe I should know all that information. So the key is, is it, so there's that that's important. You have to have someone to vent with, but be mindful of who that is. And really it comes down to, are they, are they part of the solution or are they part of the problem? If they are not part of the solution and they are not part of the problem, then it is gossip. It's gossip. You're just telling about, you know, whatever. And that's whether you're venting about, you know, the, the crazy guy at the traffic light who, you know, didn't move or whatever. I mean, any of those kind of things. 
it's gossip. So if you're not part of the problem, then not part of the solution. Matthew 18 kind of walks through the process of what that is when a brother in Christ. Carol offends me. I go to Carol, and I say, Carol, you offended me. And Carol says, you know, you know I forgive you. You know, or she says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I say, I forgive you. You know, and she says, I won't do it again. It's okay. It's handled. All right? So then life goes on. She does the same thing again to me. I go to her, and I probably would take a friend. It would be probably a mutual friend of ours or maybe someone in authority. That's who I would go. You know, I call Pastor. Pastor, Carol's picking on me. Let's go, you know, let's go see Carol. And so we go to Carol, Pastor, you know, whoever says, Carol, Carol, you know, repents and says, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm so sorry, and I forgive her again. And then, then the third step really becomes church discipline. She keeps doing this, and then it gets elevated. That is the process of reconciliation in, in the church. And anything beyond that is, I mean, it's not biblical. Only an idiot would do it again after the pastor came. After the pastor came. <laughs> Woo! Well, and that, what that also comes to this is, here's what comes to this, and trust me, I have said this, and I will probably say it again. You know, I'm complaining for the 47th time about something, and probably I say, well, I, I need to quit hanging around this person, because it's not worthy of going to church discipline and calling pastor. I mean, it just really is just, you know, a personality conflict. I need to quit complaining and understand that person is not going to change. Or I just need to walk away. You know. And but that does not happen. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> no. I mean, we've, we've had to apologize. We've, yeah, we, we haven't had to the second step, but we've had to do the first step. You know, and said, you know, Carol, I'm sorry I did that. You know. So, but yes, but no, hopefully, you know. But when you have, yeah, and there's there's deep relationship. That, yeah, you really have true friends. Yeah, then it's like, you know, I, that's, it, it just is the way she is. You know, I've got a great friend of mine, and she is always late, and she's always going to be last minute. And I asked her to help me with some decorating kind of thing, and I knew that she was going to be last minute, and I just had to receive that it was going to be last minute. And when she called me panicked about wanting to get things done, I just said, well, honey, you know, it is what it is. I can't help you, you know, you know, and just that's, and I accepted it. That's who she is, you know, and if I continue to roll my eyes every time she's late for dinner, you know what, I need to quit having dinner with her or just take a book. You know, whatever the situation might be. I think you're right, too, Becky, about that. Sometimes we need to adjust our expectations of people. Because I, in my, I've had the situation where, like you said, you know, a situation where this person, that's who she is. She's not going to change. Yeah. So then I need to ask different things of her. Yeah. And don't right. ask her to be something that she's not. Right, right. And, that, and that's real important, especially when we're managing people or in our personal relationships with people. You know, what is, is it, and is it really worth it? I mean, is it really worth this fight to keep putting up? Or you just say, okay, it is, it is what it is, you know? And, um, and I'm going to push through this or I'm not. And it's worth my energy or it's not worth my energy. And because um, we can't fix them. And we have these expectations, you know, because you know what? I need the grace too. I need someone to extend grace to me. I have been the difficult person. And that really is point number five. You don't be the difficult person. You don't be the difficult person. And this take, takes chutzpah, but, you know, a wise woman receives correction. And a wise woman would call friends, call coworkers, call bosses, um, ask your family. Hey, is there any area in my life where I seem to be more difficult than other areas in my life? 
And you only ask those that you really, number one, you respect, because if somebody else tells you, you don't care anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's gonna be that's really talk about stuff since seventy nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over it. But ask those friends that are around you. Ask those that really care about it and say, you know, and that's where it comes to don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. Mm-hmm. You know, this person said something very harsh and difficult and demeaning to me and said that, you know, I can sometimes be harsh in my you know, of course they're speaking this to me in a harsh tone, you know. Mm-hmm. They can be harsh in their tone and their, you know, and they say I can do the same thing. And do you think that's true? Wait, say that again. Mm-hmm. Someone comes to you and is, says, you know, you know, Becky, you you speak in a harsh tone. You need to quit speaking in a harsh tone. And like I correct somebody and have a softer tone. And I and they might have covered that with a whole bunch of you're an idiot and you don't do anything right and I understand why we hired you. I mean that all might be capped in there. And so when I go to that one person that I can vent to and that I can have counsel from that I trust and respect and know loves me. And say, do you think I'm worthless? And do you think that they're worthy of my time? Or do you think I speak in harsh tones? And a good friend will say, because it's true, Becky, you can sometimes speak in a really harsh tone. Okay, I need to work on that. So I throw out the baby, with, I, mean, I throw out the you're worthless and there's no point in you doing it. But it's like, okay, you know, Becky, you can, you know. And it's true. And it's true. And so I want to work on that and be better about that. Um, but it's, it's so important to ask those that you love and care about. And that's a true brother will say, iron sharpening iron. That's what Proverbs 17 says. Iron sharpens iron. And that when those difficult, those people that you really care and love and respect come to you and say, Becky, you need to quit doing that. Or Becky, you are doing that and you need to quit doing that. Whatever the situation might be. I had a mentor tell me, he said, Becky, you need to quit popping your knuckles. I used to crack my knuckles all the time. Hmm? I mean, just sitting around, just, you know, just in, you know. And I immediately stopped. It was amazing. I've, I've thought about that often. That something that's just kind of a habit, I've, I've stopped doing it. And to the point that, I mean, this has been years. I mean, this was probably 05, you know, or even earlier than that, maybe, 03. Anyways, um, Colossians 3, 17 through 12 through 17, this is how we need to have, this is how we handle relationships. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Um, <clears throat> put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay, number one, that's where our security is. Because we are God's chosen one, holy and beloved. That's where, I mean, that, goes, that allows us to extend grace. Because we know who we are in Christ. <coughs> Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And I'm thinking of those five, there's not any one of those that are really in my natural state, in my flesh, I want to do. I mean, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, maybe kindness. Now, I want people to say that about me. I mean, Becky's really kind. You know, Becky's humble. Man, she really walks in patience. You know, I want that to be said about me. But for me to do that in my, in my flesh, it's very hard. It's impossible. But because I'm God's chosen holy person, I'm going to access the Holy Spirit in my life. That's talking about walking in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to access that in my life, and so I'm going to live out patience. And I'm going to live out compassion. I'm going to live out kindness. I'm going to live out humility. I'm going to live out meekness. And I always love the definition, I mean, the, the definition, or this is, I guess, the, the picture. Meekness is very, it's a, it's a huge racehorse bridled. So there is power and there's strength in it, but it, it is a, it's, it's under control. It's under control. And if it needs to have the strength to leap tall buildings, then the horse can do that. But it doesn't always do that, you know? And it stays under control, and sometimes it runs fast, and sometimes it runs slow. And that's meekness. It doesn't mean that you don't... It's not weakness. I think that's what's so important. Meekness is not weakness. 
Um, what does the NIV say? Gentleness is what you guys probably say. Yeah. Compassion, gentleness, meekness. Bearing with one another. I mean, we're holding up. People, other people have weights. We need to bear with one another. And I think that's both as other believers, but I think that's just other people just in general around us. I mean, if somebody comes to you with difficulties, with challenges, with hurts, man, let's bear them up. Let's hold them up for them. Let's help them carry that weight. You know, two together will make it easier. You know, three will make it impossible to break. Spare it up together. If one has a complaint against another one, forgive each other. And when that person comes, and this is, um, oh, it was the lady that came and spoke, and she's the counselor, and, um, yeah, anyways. She talked about future forgiveness. You know, we need to go. We need those friends in our lives that are always late and drive us up the wall are those friends in our lives who, you know, whatever. I mean, we need to go ahead and give them future. Go ahead and forgive them. You know, our family members that are always going to be around us and we know they're always going to be late, tardy, whatever, future, give them future forgiveness. Go ahead and forgive them and just quit messing with it. Go ahead and forgive these people. I had that a don't... guy I worked with once. He was real tall and his wife was real short. When she fixed dinner, she'd leave all the cabinet doors open and he said he'd come in and always hit his head on the cabinet. And he finally decided, why can't I shut the cabinet door? <laughs> you know, instead of griping at her. And so he said, once he started doing that, just going in, shutting the doors as he came in, yeah. he said it was like she quit doing it yeah. as much. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it, it is. It's just extending grace. Extend grace. Extend grace. And she might even, I mean, it, she, she did it because it was more he, efficient to get stuff sure. out of the thing and all that stuff. I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I scared myself to death this last night. I walked into my bathroom and I had opened, I was running late for my meeting yesterday morning and I had, you know, opened the cabinet, taken out my lotion, put my lotion on, you know, I don't even think I put the lotion back in the cabinet, but I didn't close the cabinet door. So I, you know, and I don't, once I, I usually, the only time I go into my bedroom is when I go to bed. So I go up to my bedroom and then go and turn into the bathroom and it shocked me. <laughs> Somebody's been somebody in my bathroom. I mean, that's exactly where I went. And it was you. And it was me. Oh, no, I did that. Nobody's been in there. Shower. I mean, you know, do the shower. <laughs> I didn't do the shower, but I did think about it. Extend future forgiveness. Just go ahead and forgive. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love. And we've, you know that's my issue. Put on love them. Love them, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule. So we do all that. And you know what? I can go to bed at night. And the peace of Christ can rule in my heart. Because I know God loves me. And that even if I did everything that person said and I did it wrong and it was awful, and all, I'm going to learn from what they said. I'm not going to throw the baby out the bathwater. I'm going to seek counsel about that. And I'm going to believe that um, God loves me and cares about me. And you know what? I can have peace. I can sleep. And then I'm not replaying the tapes in my head, replaying the conversation again and again, or planning what you're going to do tomorrow. You, get, you have a fight with somebody in the morning, and you're not going to see them until the next day, and you go ahead and, you know, have the whole fight again with them. You know, the next time I see them, I'm going to do this and this and this. And, and you write, or how about writing the email and then deleting the email? And we've done all these things. Oh, I have. Go ahead. Saturday, uh, a friend called me and said that I was mentioned in the Houston Chronicle in the belief section. I thought, oh, well, how nice. And so I went and got the belief section. You know, hadn't, I take the paper, but I hadn't read it. And there's an article on the Shulers hmm. about them installing the daughter as the head hmm. of the Crystal Cathedral. 
And the article, evidently the woman that wrote this article was there the Sunday that I was interviewed. And it was without a doubt the worst way that she put it. Oh. Uh, there, Carol Lewis is there. She's a, a Christian author and uh, she's being interviewed by Sheila Schuler and uh, she begins telling her tale of woe. And she goes through all my tale Woes. of woe, yeah. listed mm -hmm. all the things, you know, and then she said, uh, amazingly, nobody in the audience seemed to be, uh, you know, concerned at all. And as if on cue, Lewis delivers and says, you know, we're so thankful for God's grace in our life. It was absolutely the biggest slam to go into this article about the Schulers, you know, the health and wealth and the feel good mm -hmm. and everything. And, oh, it made me so mad. Well, then I looked at it, and it was a, um, a wire service story. Mm -hmm. It wasn't somebody. Mm -hmm. So... I fired off this email, you know, to the Houston Chronicle, but I didn't mail it because I've learned mm -hmm, not mm -hmm, to do that. Mm -hmm. Then I printed it off, and I took it down to Johnny, and he tweaked it some. Then we went to the doctor, got home that evening, I looked at it again. I took out the part about, I'm sorry, there's only one paper in Houston, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and some... You know, and, and wrote a really nice article, you know, that when I saw that my name was mentioned, I was pleased and thought, well, somebody at the Chronicle knows me. But after I read it, I was in disbelief at the way it was written, you know, and changed it. I mean, within an hour, the editor of the paper had sent it to the editor of the belief section, and she wrote me an email. Mm. I would love to write an article in the first place for health program. Mm. Let me get through September Good. Good. religion, Good. you know. But Good. we need we need to do the right thing, yeah. you know. Right. These right. people, they're difficult, but they're not trying to be difficult. But they're lost. They don't know no, yeah. any different. That's And that's one thing I did say. I said people that write... Uh, that are pseudo Christians, mm -hmm. you know, because they they don't know right. the Lord, right? And, and that's I, you know, I said I do have a tale of woe, but it's be, I said, but my family are overcomers because of the power of the risen Christ, right? Amen. You know, right? Exactly, and that's so. what's so important. Verse sixteen: Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's right. There is no way you can do any of that unless the word of God dwells in you richly. Hang on. Because somebody's coming in, so I've got to finish. So okay, um, and well, I'm thinking she's coming in. If not, and so let the let the, the word of God dwell in you richly, and um, encouraging and blessing and teaching and encouraging one another. And um, so, Vicky, really quick. Yeah, and just verse 15 where it says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." The footnote in my Bible for that, another rendering of rule is act as arbiter. Hmm. Hmm. So, the 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 only way we can do this. <laughs> is number one, have Christ in us. And the only way we're going to really, the very, very best way we can deal with difficult people is to pray for them. And, um, and my aim at the bottom of the page is I want you to identify one difficult person and I want you to pray for that person for 30 days. And I don't want you to say, bless them. Let me pray what I pray for you guys every morning. I, um, I love this little For the Family book. I pray it for my family as well. And so I say, Lord, I lift up my family and I lift up Vicki and May, and Peggy, and Wendy, and Donna, and Glenna, and Peggy, and Betty, and Karen, and Linda, and Jennifer, and Carolyn, and Ellen, and Colleen. I pray spiritual blessings. Come Holy Spirit, give my family and my Sunday school class the revelation of God as Abba Father. Give us and them a love relation with Jesus so strong that we cannot resist him. 
Give us then sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and hunger and thirst for righteousness that conforms our conscience to the word of God, creating us in them the fear of the Lord in relation to sin and genuine repentance. Give us them holy joy and abiding in you. May we bear much fruit. I pray emotional blessings for my family and my Sunday school class. Come give us a revelation of Jesus' healer of emotion. Release healing to remove the ground for bondages, rejection, failure, resentment, jealousy, sibling rivalry, rivalry, disunity, unbelief, shame. Let us and them choose forgiveness for ourselves and others. Give us and them freedom from fear because God never fails us or them. Grant us, us and them a strong sense of hope to believe God for his promises. I pray mental blessings for my mom, my family, and my Sunday school class. Come spirit of truth and remove blinders and deception from our minds so we may know the truth, have godly wisdom and discernment and discretion. I pray personal blessings for my Sunday school class and my family. Come, come give us and them a sense of our personal value in Christ. Plant in us and them God-given vision for your calling in our lives and give us favor with God and with man. I pray the blessing of a right relationship with authority, especially the children and the grandchildren. Come teach us and them submission to God-given authority and counsel and direct us toward right loyalties, godly soul ties, healthy friendships that encourage us and them in our walk with you. And bind the children at a hedge of thorns. Remove all those who will have any evil influence on them. And may they keep their hearts pure and guarded, for from it comes the wellspring of life. I pray financial blessings from my family and my Sunday school class. Come give us and them your provision and right relationship to what you give. Let us and them acknowledge you as our source and our provider. And I pray financial, uh, physical blessings from my family and my Sunday school class. Come cover us with your protective hedge of safety, strength, and good health. I plead Psalm 91 over my class. That's what I pray. You Don't just, Lord, bless this difficult person in my life. Get, I mean, for the families, great. You can go online. There's, there's plenty of places where you can get a really, you know, John 17. I mean, if you know they're lost, pray for salvation. Find a salvation prayer. I've got tons of prayer books. That's the Word of God interwoven. And that, that is so, um, that's how you're going to change. Because you know what? You do that for 30 days, you know what? You're not going to think that person's so difficult anymore. They might not have changed at all. You're not going to think they're so difficult. So let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that the Word of God helps us in every area of our life. Dealing with difficult people, Father God, dealing with finances, relationships, marriages, children, everything we need, Father God. Eating, it's in here. And Lord, we thank you for the Word of God that gives us direction and guidance. I pray for our class now, Lord, that we would be faithful to, um, to go about and, and deal appropriately with those difficult people in our lives. We know they're going to come. And, um, Lord, I pray that even today that we would respond well to who they are. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, who uh, I had asked to come in.